Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Bo Bruce. Making excuses. Come, for all things are now ready, but they are with one accord. They all with one accord began to make excuses. Today's gospel passage about a great supper comes from St. Luke's gospel during a great supper that Jesus himself is attending. Luke tells us that he had gone into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath and that the Pharisees were watching him closely. When he noted how they chose the best places, he told them another parable about great feasts. When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give this place to give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. After telling that story, Jesus also said to the person who invited him, when you give a dinner or supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. To which one who sat at the table with Jesus replied, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And that's where Jesus launches into the parable that is the subject of today's lectionary. On the most superficial level, the story of those invited making excuses and others coming into the kingdom in their place is clearly Jesus prophesying his rejection by the Pharisees and that his church will be filled with others who the Pharisees believed to be inferior to them. But why in her holy wisdom did the church put this into the lectionary for us to hear throughout the ages to come? I believe it's because we who sit here today are in the exact same position and need to hear the same story. Every week we come to church for a sumptuous dinner feast with Jesus. We are those who are blessed to eat bread in the very kingdom of God. We come to feed on Jesus' very body and blood in that kingdom that is not just an eschatological post-judgment paradise, but a reality that we partake in here and now. So we are in even a greater danger than the Jews to whom the story was first told by our Lord. They didn't get it, but we do. And so the church put this in here lest we become too comfortable that we are dining in the high places. It's easy, perhaps too easy, to pat ourselves on the back because we're here today. We could hear this parable and be proud that we didn't make any lame excuses and miss the feast that our Lord invited us to today. However, the lectionary isn't heard by those who decided there was something better to do than to come to church today. It's for us who indeed decided that church was the most important thing for us to do this Sunday morning. So I find it difficult to believe that this parable is meant as an encouragement for us, and instead I think it's an admonishment. The Lord bids us with the words of the man inviting people to dinner, Come, for all things are now ready. And indeed, we have come, but that is merely the first step. And although I'm glad we've all made that step today, we're fully accept, 
are we fully accepting the invitation? Are we actually just making excuses? Has our church attendance become just a routine? The only hours each week we really devote to God, and even then one that is often filled with distractions about things that are going on outside these doors. We live in such a secular society that it's extremely challenging to live as a Christian. There are plenty of things in the world to focus our minds and senses on other than God in and outside of this church. It's easy to make the excuse that people in other ages didn't have to contend with the things we do, although I'm not wholly convinced that's the case. The church was founded during the Roman Empire, and it's not necessarily known for its puritanical leanings. We are called to be a light to that world, and to do that, we must make sure that our first step is not our last. Again, it's good to be here with the Lord, but we must keep going. Indeed, that's exactly how Luke continues immediately following our parable. Now great multitudes went with Jesus, and Jesus turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build, but was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Here we see the people who, like us, have accepted our Lord's invitation. Come, for all things are now ready. They thought they were going to a party, and they are. But first, whoa, what's this? Hate his father and mother? Jesus, on Father's Day of all days? Surely you don't mean it. Wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his or her own, his or her own life? Or you cannot be Jesus' disciple? Forsake all that you have, or you cannot be Jesus' disciple? Okay, now the excuses come out, right? Like the rich young man who kept all the commandments but went away in sorrow because Jesus asked him to sell his possessions and give them to the poor and then come and follow him. Like the rich man in last week's parable who ended up in torments and wished to tell his brethren so that they might not end up with the same fate, who was told by Abraham that they already had Moses and the prophets and that if they will not listen to them, they won't even listen to one raised from the dead. Like Nicodemus asking, how can we be born again? What excuses are we making for not making Jesus the center of our life? This is what Jesus is saying to those following him. I will not accept excuses. Nothing is more important than this, bearing your cross and coming after me. Nothing. Not your family, not your stuff, not even your own life. That's tough, but that's right out of the mouth of Jesus himself. However, these words are too. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Because becoming a Christian means becoming free, truly free, free of attachments to things that are bringing us down, weighing us down so that we remain earthly and unable to ascend toward our Lord in heaven. Truly free to radically love God and our neighbor, 
which oddly often makes people hate us even to the point of killing us. But again, Jesus tells us that we must hate even our very selves. So what is lost by being a martyr? Nothing. And what is gained? Everything. This is our faith. No excuses. God so loved the world that he gave his only son for us. Why do we hesitate to do the same for him? We are the salt of the earth, but have we lost our saltiness? And if so, how can we get it back? I know I sound like a broken record on this, but I need a reminder each week, because even though I'm saying it all the time, I know I'm not falling through the way that I should be either. How can we be a light to those around us? Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Prayer brings us closer to God and helps us to better know him. We can only be like him if we know him. If we remember what I said on Trinity Sunday and spend our prayers praying for others, not ourselves, because God already knows what we need, we will also be practicing God's self-sacrificing love. Fasting, because it helps us to forsake those attachments we have to all those things that keep us shackled to the earth, unable to take heaven-bound flight. Almsgiving, because it helps us to remove our attachments to things and shows love to those around us. And don't forget that almsgiving is not just about giving money to the homeless person on the street. It's about giving self-sacrificial love to everyone you meet. And while you're at it, don't forget to practice that love with those you live with and work with. They are the ones that you have been called most to serve. You've accepted the invitation. Now is the time for action. No excuses. Let us pray. Almighty Lord, who gave everything, even yourself for us, help us to be the light and salt of the earth. Help us to stop making excuses for not taking up our cross and forsaking everything in this world that keeps us from you. Help us to love as you have loved us. Through the same, thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit liveth and reigneth God, world without end. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.